terrifying episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier here with Billy Holiday. Hello. And Jeremy Gregory. Hey, guys. And uh, this week we're going to look at the first Dino Crisis game for the Sony PlayStation. Uh, very similar to Resident Evil. But before we get into that, Jeremy, what have you been playing since our last episode? Well... I mean, not too much. Uh, I, I kind of mentioned last week uh, or the last podcast that I'd, I'd gotten into the whole retro pie thing finally. Mm. Uh, and I, I didn't really mention it too much, but that was actually a really fun little weekend project to do. Uh, I think if anyone's holding out out there uh, on, on doing one of those things, I know it, everyone loves to just, uh, you know, as, as soon as someone says they bought an NES mini or something like that. Um, everyone's, why don't you just go build a retro pie? You know, that's just kind of the meme answer at this point. And I finally did. I, I went and, and grabbed, uh, grabbed the, the parts that I needed. I think the whole thing costs 70 bucks minus a controller. So, I mean, it's not expensive. It's something that you can do pretty quickly. And I'm impressed as hell with that thing. I know there's a lot of different things that you can just put a ton of different emulators on, uh, and hook it up to your TV. But there's something it, it's fun with this little thing. I mean, it, you're, you build it yourself. Uh, you've got just a ton of little things to, uh, that you can do with it and customize it the way you want it. And mm -hmm. it's not that hard. So that is I mean, that's kind of what I did one weekend. But the thing I'd like to actually kind of talk about for a second is uh, the other thing that I kind of bought to tinker with and build. And if no one's actually heard of it, it's called a game shell and this game shell. Game shell Mm. This was a Kickstarter, a successful Kickstarter, uh, based out of Hong Kong. And it is essentially a modular handheld gaming system. And now before you start drawing conclusions that this is just one of those AliExpress handheld emulators that has a ton of shady ROMs on it for 20 bucks, uh, it is definitely not that. This is a legit thing. It exists. Uh, people have made it. And it is not <laughs> It is not illegal as far as I know. Uh and uh, I, I received it a couple of weeks ago after ordering it like a month ago. Hmm. Um, now, what this actually is, when I say modular, whenever you receive it, it comes in a box and everything is in pieces. So the entire console, the, the all the circuit boards, the wiring, uh, the controls, the screen, the battery, everything is just in this box and all these little separate boxes. And you have to build it yourself. And... It's fairly plug and play. If you if you pay attention to the uh, the instructions and and do what you need to do and not just throw everything at the wall, mm -hmm. uh, what you end up with is this tiny little Game Boy looking handheld system. Uh, it's Linux based and it's kind of like a retro pie. It's kind of you know kind of got a front end on it that you can add ROMs to and and just play off that. Uh, but it comes with several different em emulators already installed on it. No games, of course, uh, and you you. You, you got to put your ROMs on there if you have them, and then you get to play them. And I will say, building this thing is incredibly fun. I had it; it took me like an hour and a half, two hours, and it was it was so much fun. It was a great time. I love doing that stuff. If you love building things, uh, you know, it it, it was you kind of know how it goes. You end up with this little handheld system that works. But on the other hand, it's terrible at playing games. <laughs> I mean, the, the emulation and, and all that is fine. It's more than powerful enough to run NES and, and Super NES and, and games like that or systems like that. But the the thing that you actually build uh, to, to make the controller part of this thing is so mushy and is, is basically you have to jam on the controls mm. to make it do. It's kind of like you when you were kids 
and uh, and you had like your friends over and they would grab your controller and it was like they were just jamming on the buttons and you were just afraid they were going to crack that thing in half this you actually have to do that to make it recognize the the button presses now i don't know if there's something wrong with mine it could just be that that's just you know i've got a defective unit or something like that but i can't really play games on this thing it, it's just it's not fun and it <laughs> i it you know, I, I can't really recommend it based off that. Yeah. Uh, it, it, yours may be fine if you go out and go to Game Shell or whatever and, and check it out. If you want to try it, go for it. But and, and there's plenty of great reviews out there for it. But for whatever reason, mine just does not register these these presses like you would want on, a, on something. Um, but overall, I mean, that's that's kind of what I've been doing. I've just really been messing around with that. Unfortunately... Uh, at the end of the day, I, I just really can't recommend it. But I think it's totally neat. It is just one of the. It, there's really nothing else like it out there, uh, as far as what you what you're building and what you end up with. Well, if nothing else, you could put a bunch of Game Gear games and Lynx games on there, and then it's just like the actually having <laughs> one of those systems. <laughs> um, I, I oh god, it just kills me. It's just hmm. I really want this thing to work, but it just it it doesn't. And uh, I guess I should mention uh, real quick. That it only has four face buttons, so anything that is like a Super NES or, or Game Boy Advance game that ha- uses the triggers, uh, it too has bad. this op. Well, it sort of, you, mostly too bad. Yes, it comes with this brick of a bar that you're supposed to put on the back of it, and the way it attaches is like Lego parts. You know, like the little round parts to a Lego. Mm-hmm. Like when you step on it, you want to, you know, it makes you feel like you're going to die. It's the entire back face of the the console, if you want to attach that, is made out of Lego parts. And then you attach that bar, which is like five extra clicky buttons. But what you end up with is not only are you jamming your fingers onto to make these controls work, but the back of your hands are also digging into these Lego, you know, the, the plastic parts of the Lego thing. And it's the most painful thing. It's the most pain I've ever experienced playing a video game. Uh, yeah, it's just I, I would not recommend it for, for anything of that sort. But if you want to hack into it and, and try to do your own little things, uh, mm-hmm. you can definitely make your own programs, run it off of that. Uh, it's totally neat for something like that. But if you want it for your, your all-in-one handheld emulator, which is kind of what I was hoping it was going to be, uh, definitely not. Well, I was going to come on here and talk all about the new Monster Hunter free expansion, the Witcher oh, stuff. Oh, boy. But I have to say, surprising out of left field, the, the the most recent Nintendo Direct, I didn't have a lot of interest in it because they said they're just going to talk about uh, the new Fire Emblem game. So I was like, yeah, that's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm mildly interested in it. But uh, they announced at the time that Tetris 99, uh, like a 99-player-versus-Tetris variant, is free for people who subscribe to the Nintendo Switch. And I was like, yeah, sure, I like things for free. And I have been playing it nonstop. Oh, it I is the most shit. incredible game. It mm-hmm. is. I, I mean, I'm, I'm real bad at it. I mean, I'm, I'm okay at Tetris, but you're playing against 99 other people. So at least, at least a handful of them are really, really good at it. So oh, I, yeah. I've gotten to third place. I've gotten to third place a couple times. I felt really good about it. Um, but the people who beat me looked like they had completely blank screens where I was just panicked and spinning things around to stop them from falling <laughs> to hope mm-hmm. I would just last long enough to get to second. Uh, and I did not. But it, it is it is super fun. It's just, I mean, I can play it for hours. I'll just sit there and play games over and over and over again on it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, I mean, 
if you would have told me ahead of time, if you told me two weeks ago, Jeremy, you're going to play a whole bunch of Tetris on the Switch this week, I would have said, no, that's ridiculous. I have so <laughs> many other things to play. I just bought this PS3. I bought Metal Gear Solid 4 to finally play, which, by the way, the little bit I have played, not nearly as good as 3 and 2. Uh, it is. It looks pretty. It's fine. The story is batshit crazy, but it's just not the same kind of game so far. I feel like a lot. It's a, it's more action, a lot less stealth, and the stealth that is there. I feel like I'm just walking around with a can. Uh, either way, I'm enjoying it, but it's not nearly as good as three. And I did finally get since I have a PS3, Demon Souls, which uh, Jeremy, I think you said was your favorite in the Soul series, or at least the one you, you liked the most personally. Um, it is hard. It is hard. I've I've beaten Dark Souls one and two and got to the very very end of three and have not finished it. And I cannot get through anything on Demon's Souls. I'm enjoying it. It's fun. Uh, but I do blame a lot of that on that I'm playing it on a tiny television uh, that does not deal with darkness well. So there's a lot of levels where I kind of just fall to my death a bunch. Uh, but I did buy a new TV, so hopefully I'll have better things to say about Demon Souls uh, next episode. But Billy, what have you been playing other than Tetris 99, which apparently is the best thing ever? Oh, <laughs> who knew? Uh, if you would have told me, hey, they're putting out a Battle Royale-style Tetris game. I mean, this isn't fancy Tetris either. This is plain, no frills Tetris. It has to be. Uh, it has to be, or it wouldn't be any yeah. fun. And, and the presentation of it's incredible. Uh, there, there is uh, a very there's some deep gameplay in there that I had, to, and they don't tell you anything. There's no tutorial. There's no, hey, this is what this is. I had to find all that online, but uh, it, it's got this awesome system where you can target the when you get a a double or a triple or, or, or above, you don't get anything for a single line. Uh, you send junk, junk lines towards an opponent. And you can actually pick that opponent because on the screen are like 98 really small little screens uh, of what everyone else is doing. And, and I was just reading up kind of on the finer points of that today. And it, it's amazing. It is something, and like you said, it's not something that I ever knew that I wanted nor needed. But that's what Nintendo does. They, they know what you need, and, and they give it to you. And, but other than that, I've been playing... I finished up that God of War, that latest one on the PS4, and I am fucking full flabbergasted. What a game. I, uh, I was bewildered, you know, when it, at the Video Game Awards when it won Game of the Year. Uh, but now, having played it, yeah, I mean, I, that's, that's a sound decision. Uh, it just it has stuck with me. It, it's one of those games. I think Jeremy talked about this uh, a week or two ago, uh, or an episode or two ago. Um, but when you finish the game, and it just kind of sticks with you. And it's that kind of what do I do now after that? And, and I, I, you know, I finished it up. I, I still have that stuff to do on there, but I'm, I'm gonna come back and do that later. And I started up Far Cry Five because I'm continuing my tradition of being a game behind in the series. And with the new one coming out, I'm just starting up the one before it. And hmm, for games that aren't hefty in logic to begin with, I've got a lot of troubles with this one. I've got big troubles with it. I had big troubles within like the first five minutes. And I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to finish this one or not. I love the, you know, the missions and the style of, of going and, and slowly overtaking parts of the map and, and pushing, you know, the, the enemies back. And But I don't know. This one just, it's it's something about it is not quite right. Uh, and, and yes, I did end up putting it down and playing more God of War on that, that same night. Uh, but yeah, that and Tetris, uh, and that's, uh, and, and 
Lord help me, I tried playing a little bit of this game we're reviewing today. Um, but yeah, that's that's been my uh, my time playing games since the last episode. Well, I do have to thank you for playing a little bit of the game we're going to talk about today, or else you would have a very boring time, as we discuss Dino Crisis for the Sony PlayStation. Well, I mean, just because I played some of this game doesn't mean I didn't have a boring time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is the first checkpoint. Playtime is officially over, kiddies. Something's wrong. The lights in the guardhouse are out. Um, maybe this has been a wild night of partying for the guards. You know, a little song, a little dance. Stay here, Junior. Leave the guards to me. I'm I'm going to be a fucking wet towel this episode. I apologize in advance. I, yeah, I was a little shocked when you called it Dino Crisis. I thought it was fucking Keycard Crisis, because I, I saw more of those in Dinosaurs. But yes, this is a game that I have uh, and very little dealings with, which is strange, because, you know, this is, is Resident Evil, and what would happen if uh, you had Resident Evil and Capcom didn't want to front for that Jurassic Park license? And this is what you get, and it seems like it would have been all over it. The most I got was I watched a friend of mine play this about 20 minutes or so one time. And and they were kind of in a, a, a dull part of the game, and, and I wasn't really impressed, and years passed by, and now here we are. I I can't really understand why I didn't play it as a when I had a PlayStation, because A, I love Resident Evil, and also B, I love dinosaurs. So when you combine those things together in a game, I, I should have just gravitated towards that, but... For whatever reason, I never played uh, that or the sequel. So, over the years, I you know I've I've heard so many people say you know how much they love the game and how it should have a proper remake these days. So I was actually pretty excited to to play it, basically for the first time, uh, for for this podcast. I, I really wanted to see what I'd been missing out on. I know why I had played this before because I was not a Resident Evil fan until Resident Evil 4. I mean, I played Resident Evil 1, and I thought it was cool, but I I just didn't get far in it. I found the controls very frustrating. I found uh, it to be too hard to play because of that, because I tried to treat it like an action game. Uh, and then as I learned when we covered it you know, last Halloween or two Halloweens ago, uh, I just was playing it wrong. I was playing it wrong forever. I mean, yes, the controls are not great. They're notoriously you know, blocky and tank controls, but you're not supposed to fight every zombie. You're supposed to to run from a lot of them. Uh, using that, this game, it takes that to the next level, I think. Uh, it's the same kind of control. It's that tank control where you, you when you turn with left and right, instead of pointing that direction, you, you spin in those directions, clockwise or counterclockwise, and then you push up to run uh, forward. You can, you can step back really quick. It, you know, there's a, a I think R2 or or L2. One of them lets you spin around 180 degrees real quick to try to get away from things. Uh, it I think it controls a little bit better than Resident Evil. I don't know if it's just that I'm better at those controls now, but I, I did find it a little easier to get around. But it, it's you know I did not care for the kind of game that Resident Evil was. I liked the idea of it, but not the reality. So a game that was essentially supposed to be like Resident Evil, but with dinosaurs instead, would have had the same problems. So I had never mm. tried it. Um, but after, you know, like I said, after liking Resident Evil a lot more than I thought, going back to the original, uh, I really did want to give this a try. Uh, and I'm, I, 
I'm surprised you dislike it as much as you do, Billy, but I'm sure we'll get into the specifics of what you didn't care about. Uh, maybe it is just a hatred of key cards, uh, but as we've discussed during the Metal Gear episode, I love me some key cards. So that was not a problem on this end. Uh, so this game came out in 1999. Uh, it came out right before Resident Evil 3 uh, Nemesis. Uh, the director is Shinji Mikami, who's the same person behind the, the first few Resident Evils. Uh, maybe all of them, but he's definitely it was, was uh, the mastermind behind the early Resident Evils. And, and it's exactly what we said it was. It is, hey, we really like Resident Evil. We'd like to make a game like Resident Evil, but I also really like Jurassic Park. What can we do? And mm-hmm. so they made... The, I think it's very, very close to the original Resident Evil in, in how it's laid out. You, you've got a bunch of little sections you have to get through. You need to find keys or finish puzzles to open up a bigger and bigger map. There's a fair amount of backtracking, much like the original Resident Evil. But but again, instead of zombies everywhere, uh, there, are, there are dinosaurs. And I, I like how when you start the game, they try to treat the dinosaurs like they're a surprise. Like, everyone in the game's like, I, I don't believe I saw a dinosaur. And they the intro to the game, first of the game is called Dino Crisis, and there's a dinosaur mm-hmm. on the box. So you know there's some dinosaurs in this game. But the intro to the game, uh, you know, you're, you're a member of a, a another crack team sent in uh, to an mm-hmm. island uh, research base. Uh, you're Regina. Your, your other members are Gale, Rich, and Cooper. And you've all been sent to this this secret uh, research base to recover Dr. Kirk, who is uh, some world-famous scientist that's working on some, you know, ultimate energy source, uh, but he's also believed to be dead. So the fact that you mm. found out he is in this island, you've been sent by whatever shadowy government organization ultimately controls you uh, to go get Dr. Kirk back uh, and, and bring him back. Before you start actually playing the game, you're watching the intro scene or whatever, you know, you you. You come in on your, your parachutes down towards the base, and Cooper, uh, of your mission, gets blown off course and is eaten. You watch him get eaten by a Tyrannosaurus <laughs> Rex. So you know there are dinosaurs. And yet for the first, I don't know, half an hour of this game, it's like they barely tease a dinosaur. Or someone's like, ah, I saw a dinosaur. Everyone's like, well, that's crazy. There's no dinosaurs here. And you're like, the, there's like the way they wrote it, if, the, if it was called something else, or if it was in any other way, like a movie that wasn't called Dinosaur Fight, you, you would mm-hmm. be maybe surprised by these dinosaurs. But otherwise, it's like they tell you from the get-go, including just on the box, you're going to be dealing with dinosaurs. Yet the game hides them from you for the first half an hour, where you do eventually run into a couple. But yes, for the, for the first little bit of this game, especially once you're, you know, while you're trying to explore the map and figure out where to go, uh, there are no dinosaurs at first, other than what you've yeah. seen in the cinema. Yeah, and and I'll tell you the beginning of this game, it it, it got some goodwill from me. It, it got some laugh when everybody's on the plane and they're masked up. Everybody looks like fucking Bane. It's like a team of Banes on the plane. And and the first thing I noticed was that the voice acting is a step up. It is a step up. Uh, I, I think got some people that are actually working, like still working to this day. Fucking Regina, that's fucking Sailor Venus. Uh, I knew I, I recognized the voice. For a great extent of it, I'm giving away my television watching habits. But uh, but yeah, I, I, they 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 learn from Resident Evil, and I, I'm very pleased with that because not even Resident Evil Two learned from Resident Evil. Um, but yeah, High Two was I was also very confused uh, because having purchased this game, you know there are dinosaurs, and they go to such great lengths to 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 block it out. Um, I mean, they they act as if on the 
on the title screen or on the box, it's it's something crisis, and that part is 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 covered <laughs> up. And then all of a sudden, you know, when one pops off, all right, then you get the title screen. The 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 curtain drops down, and it's fucking Dino Crisis. But yeah, they they really try hard, and they try to build some suspense with it, but it's it's not quite working. And and that's why I started to worry just a little bit. I, I just kind of took it as a, that they were just trying to build suspense. I, that's really all I took it as. But yeah, it's it's kind of it, the whole story. And, and even though the, the voices are actually better than what they were in, in Resident Evil 1 and 2, uh, the acting, it's just it's still very hokey because it, the script itself is very hokey. And so, you know, what what they're having to work with it. <laughs> I mean, it's funny. It, it's. It's bad, but it's bad in the best way. Uh, just like Resident Evil One and, and Two were uh, at its worst, you know. It, there's a lot of Jill sandwich all over this place, uh, just just with how the script is written. Um, uh, but I mean, yeah, I, it, when the dinosaurs do show finally show up, um, these these are not the slow moving zombies from Resident Evil, and I think that's what kind of got me. You know, you were talking about the controls being that standard. Uh, Resident Evil tank control and yes it is and I have zero problem with that playing Resident Evil 1, 2, and, and 3 but here when those di- when that first raptor shows up uh, he is not lumbering around he is uh, very no. large he's, yeah. he's a very large uh, enemy and uh, he is jumping and lunging and running all over the place to try and get you and that's about when these controls started maybe not being so not being the perfect yeah. setup for this kind of game. And that's the main thing for me is that this was fine when you were taking on like shambling zombies uh, that you could walk past if you wanted to. Uh, but yeah, on Resident Evil, the shit hit the fan when you had to take on like the, the dogs or a quicker enemy. Everything on this game is as quick as the fucking dogs. It's like taking on uh, the dogs, except they are the size of a vehicle now. Um, it, it just, uh, this control scheme does not hold up for, for you know, Twitch reaction and and just uh, this type of enemy. And it is, it is hard, and there are fucking bullet sponges, and there's not a lot of bullets to begin with. And that option of, hey, I'm just going to run past them and conserve, that's not as, as viable. I mean, you can. You can pull it off, but it's not as viable as an option. As it was, I, I just feel like for a game like this, if they were really going to have these fast-moving enemies, they added a few more tricks with the with the controls to kind of hopefully speed you up a little bit. But they they should have done a a lot more because it is tough for your fucking crack, you know, highly skilled person you're using is now just kind of limping along and and can't you know get a fast enough run to get away from these enemies. And it just, it, it doesn't work with this game, with this set of enemies. And that just, it's something that plagued it from the beginning. Uh, the aiming is, it's still just as bad, especially there are pterodactyls later on. And this was the, this was, uh, the, I got through this wall, but barely, this is about where I hit the wall and you're in there flying and, and you can hardly see them. And you're just, you're trying to aim and do that weird, spin around that you do on these resident evil type games and it just it and you just fire blindly and i just found every enemy encounter to to be a real pain on this game 
I didn't have as many problems. I mean, the, yes, the pterodactyls was bad, but I just ran from them. I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't really need to fight mm-hmm. them. Um, but most of it, it was like, you start with a pistol. The pistol itself uh, can use uh, just regular pistol bullets at first. What, what this game does different than uh, Resident Evil, or, or really any of these kind of games, is you really only have three guns. You have a pistol, a shotgun that you find later on, and then a grenade launcher towards the end of the game. But what you'll find is, like, kits that make the guns better. So instead of having to find three different pistols or whatever, you find a pistol and then it's like, oh, here's a pistol and you get to add sights to it. And that means it, it's easier to aim and you can use these other bullets. I mean, it doesn't make any sense logically, but who cares? The point is, you get a pistol and instead of having to have ten guns you kind of hit, hit all over the base to try to find later if you need weapons like you have to in Resident Evil, you, you just keep that one pistol and you can get rid of the ammo you don't need uh, and get better and better ammo for those guns. That said, the pistol, after the first set of dinosaurs. The first dinosaurs you run into are velociraptors. Um, they take, what, four or five pistol shots to the head to take them down. Uh, much like in Resident Evil, enemies do kind of show back up again. Uh, they don't mm-hmm. necessarily die forever. I mean, that one you've killed dies forever, but more will show up. And and especially because you don't know where these dinosaurs are coming from, mm. it, there's no real need to figure out logic to why they keep showing up. They just keep showing up. Um, so even if you do decide you're going to play run and gun and take out, oh, I'm going to take out a couple choice velociraptors where I know I don't have to go through this hallway, there's a real good chance there's going to be another one there or possibly something worse. Uh, sometimes they'll, they'll follow you from room to room, which I thought was really cool yet very frustrating. So if you are running from a velociraptor and the door you have to go through doesn't require some sort of special key or isn't an elevator or something that would move in a way that would make sense that the, uh, they couldn't just open the door, uh, these velociraptors are smart as shit. They can open these doors and follow you into rooms. Rooms, sometimes leading you into rooms where there's already velociraptors, so you've you've got multiple dinosaurs in the same room. Uh, so I did I did die a bunch to things where I've trapped myself because either I didn't have enough ammo or you know I only had the pistol, which really doesn't even cause much. I mean, they flinch, but that's about it. The shotgun's nice when you finally get that shotgun, and and you get it fairly early on. But that's one where I wasn't using it to kill these dinosaurs. But if you shoot them once, they'll like fall to the ground for a second and get knocked back, and you just run by them. Now. This is much like how Resident Evil was in a mansion where there's all these little skinny hallways. This is in a, a, a laboratory setting, so there's a bunch of hallways. And there's a lot of places where if you do shoot one and you try to run around it, you get stuck. You can't get around it. And then it'll get up and it pretty much just takes you out in two or three hits. Uh, the, the Velociraptors are the some of the weaker dinosaurs, and they still take three hits and they'll kill you. Like, they don't fool around. Um, the... the Pterodactyls you mentioned later is really only in, in a couple of the outdoor sections of the map, and mm-hmm. they are they're much weaker. They can hit you several times. They're more of a nuisance than anything else. Um, but but still, the Velociraptors, which are essentially the weakest monsters you're going to see for most of the time, still can kill you in three hits, and you still have to be able to get around them. And there are parts where um, you know there's almost no way you can get away with, from them without shooting them and killing them, knowing that they may come back. Uh, what they did to help make this a little easier is there are a fair amount of doorways that they can't go through or vents you can climb in that they can't follow you through. And there are these electronic gates uh, that you can push a button on the wall and cause these electronic gates to come up that will will stop them there. They cannot follow you past the gates. They'll keep running into them, which actually gives you a chance to let them run into the gate, stun themselves, fall to the ground. You can run past them that way uh, if, you're, if you're working it that way. 
Uh, the downside with the gates is all of them, when you first run into them, are locked, and they don't do anything. They're either up or not up, and you can't turn them on. The buttons to turn them on are glowing red. And you have to wait until Rick, who's like your electronic specialist, can find a way to unlock them, which most of the time just means you progress the story far enough for that to happen. But it still means that all these gates, which are in some great places to help you protect yourself early on, in order to use those gates, which do make it much easier to get around without having to use your ammo, you kind of have to already figure out how to get around and deal with these dinosaurs uh, till eventually the story gets far enough for each of those gates to unlock uh, to allow you to use them. But I, I don't know. I, I didn't have as much of a problem at all with the combat because I just assumed there were lots of places where it's almost like random that I would get the dinosaurs to be in the right spot in a hallway to get where I want to go. So yeah. I didn't mind as as much having to reload my save because uh, unlike using the tapes in the Resident Evil series, the, the uh, typewriter tapes, in here it's when you get to certain safe rooms every time you leave them and ask if you want to save. And, and they are placed in, in close enough areas to each other that there's not too many times where you've got to go through a very lengthy section to save. I mean, it does happen, but especially the parts where towards the end of the game where there are more and more dinosaurs around and there is a lot of backtracking or going you know back to a room you haven't been to in in two hours to go check a computer you forgot to look at or whatever um there's not that many places where you have to really go far between these save rooms uh it's not bad uh general like at some point i did learn to just uh, cheese the ai of the dinosaurs because you know they're not that great but still they can you know, those tiny hallways that you're running through a lot of the times, uh, there were definitely times where the, the raptor was just, he was taking up the whole hallway <laughs> and I couldn't actually get, I had to kind of run away and either he'd jump on me and, and I had to fucking kick him off or, or I had to find a way to run around it because they, they didn't, I don't know if I was just missing a lot of ammo, but it seems like they actually give you less ammo in this game than what they did in Resident Evil. Uh, it, it just seemed like I was always out of ammo. It's sparse. It really are the are the item drops random on here? No, no, I, are do, they I not? don't believe because so. I, all right, I, I swear from time to time, because uh, I restarted this one a few times, uh, that the things would be in different spots, or there would be a different thing in the same spot. That may not be a thing though. Uh, I mean, I, to be fair, I didn't I didn't play it enough. To yeah. remember, oh, in this room, it, last time it was bullets, and this time it's a it's a health item. It wouldn't surprise yeah. me if there is some sort of hierarchy of items. Like if you don't have uh -huh. a healing item, this is a healing item. If you do have a healing item, then this is bullets. Like that that would be possible. Because well, I, I can felt tell like... you, I think it's the opposite. I, it never gave me a damn thing I needed. Um, but yeah, ammo on here is 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 hard to come by. Uh, which it, it's confusing. It is very confusing because it, when you don't get a lot of ammo in these games. You just assume, okay, they want me to get past most of these things. But it's like Jeremy said, sometimes they are taking up that the whole damn hallway. There's nothing you can do in those instances. So I, I, I just I had a hard time just trying to. Resident Evil is cut and dry. I, I kind of know what they want you to do there. You know, you can you can evade to a good extent, and you know you've got enough ammo to to bust it out when you need it. On this one, it just I don't know. I couldn't get a good balance, and that's probably me. I mean, a lot of my complaints in this game—they're they're probably me. Um, I just—I I had a hard time striking that balance of when to shoot and when not to shoot, when to try to when to try to get around and avoid danger. And there are just sometimes when you can't, and I don't feel even for those times where you have to, to have, shoot it out. 
I don't feel like it ever gave me enough. I mean, I was always like down one or two bullets left. Uh, there were definitely those times where like, you know, I would, I would be making head, you know, progress and I, I would be, be like, all right, you know, I, I've, I've got a decent amount of, of ammo here. I'm doing okay. I, I've killed most of the things that were back behind me because either I had to or, or just because I had the extra ammo. And then uh, the backtracking would kick in. And this game definitely has some backtracking. I took everything, the, the, all that backtracking from the first two Resident Evil games, and it tossed it in here as well. And that's when I would usually actually find myself in trouble because, like you said, it would repopulate uh, at certain points of the game. And so, like, I would find myself, as I was trying to get back to this room that I'd been to, you know, a couple of hours earlier, just the act of getting back there would would completely drain every resource I had because I would just run into a bunch of stuff that that I had already cleared out. And I imagine playing through it again, you would know what what not to, to deal with. But I didn't know. And so I, I just, you know, I, I ended up just losing a, a lot of ammo and resources and, and lives uh, during those backtracking parts. Well, I think the other thing that I figured out a little late is... Uh, much like in Resident Evil, you have a mix command. Now you can can take inventory that you have and mix it with other inventory you have. A lot of the, you know in Resident Evil it was easy because it was just herbs, um, but in this game you get all the different medicines you have and a lot of the different you'll you'll find like tranquilizer darts you can use against these dinosaurs, and they have different strength levels. But you get uh, you know things that increase the strength of you know a healing item or duplicates a healing item or duplicates any item that's a something you can mix with at least. So a lot of the time when I started playing those sleeping darts and then they actually have ones that are poison darts that flat out kill them in one hit for most of the the weaker dinosaurs. It doesn't affect the T-Rex, but everything else you can pretty much take out in one one poison dart. You can find ways and there are like not hidden but but recipes they don't give you where if you mix certain really strong medicines and really strong anesthetics, you can make those poisons. So I think I wasn't using those effectively at all uh, on my first, uh, you know, first half of this game. Later on, because I, mm. I, I didn't use those things, I was like, holy crap, I have like 17 sleeping darts. Why am I not just using these? And then I was just putting everything to sleep. Now, it does not keep them for sleep long. Even the really strong ones, it lets you finish what you need to do in the room. But next time you come to that room, most likely that dinosaur will be woken up. And some well, of the shit, stronger dinosaurs. I mean, well, half the time I was rolling into these rooms, and the thing that was stopping me from getting the one thing in the room was a raptor that was just skulking around. Yeah. And I knew that getting from where I needed to be over to that item and then back out of the room was probably going to cost me a health pack. So, uh, yeah, I, I apparently didn't didn't use the, the whole sleeping darts and it. Because that's all I needed. I just needed that thing to lay down for a second. Right. Because and, and I didn't cut the bullets. The mix command is something that I... I mean, even in Resident Evil, I really didn't use it much. Uh, I, I knew it was there, and I used it when I had to, just if I was like, oh, I really need to mix some, you know, antidote herbs or whatever. But this mm -hmm. really wants you to use mix. And I think it makes the game... It doesn't make it easy, but it definitely gives you a huge advantage. Uh, this game mm -hmm. has a fair amount of inventory flip-flopping, which I'm not ever a fan of. Uh, thankfully... Unlike in some other games, you kind of have two inventory pools. I guess three, really, because your weapons don't count as inventory items, which is great. They show up when that, you try to yes. equip different weapons, but they aren't they aren't taking up a spot in a briefcase or something. You just can you can hold twelve items that are healing items or 
things you can mix or poison darts or weapons like bullets and ammo and not the weapons but the bullets and the ammo itself and then you also have a separate queue of key items so thank god any keys you pick up because you're going to pick up a good number of keys because this has this game has a good number of of password doors and puzzles you have to finish and and we're going to talk about those in a minute i think that may be where billy drew a line i personally (laughs) liked that part but i can see why people may not have but all those items key cards or you know physical keys you may need to get into a room or if there's a, a plaque you put on the wall all those are in the, your, your key item inventory, and there's no limit to that. You can have 400 items there, I suppose. There aren't that many in the game, but it doesn't ever say you can't hold this key, you don't have enough room. It does do that a lot for health items, for bullets, for anything if you don't have a spot in your 12-spot inventory. To make it so that you don't have to just shoot bullets at the sky to pick up a health item, uh, everywhere, not everywhere, but throughout the complex, there are these... Um, emergency boxes in the wall they're different colors green red and and yellow that doesn't seem to make any difference on what they are but when you look at the box it'll say this box holds you know weapons this box holds Mm -hmm. health items or whatever and then it says it takes so many plugs to open you find these spark plugs all over the place that are essentially your currency to open these boxes and i'm not sure if there are enough to open up every box but i think i opened up most boxes uh when i finished this one um and those that's really where you're going to find the biggest chunk of new ammo. Like if you get a grenade launcher, for example, you're not going to find grenade launcher ammo just sitting over the floor. There is some where you specifically need it, but generally you need to find it in these ammo boxes. Yeah. There's a lot of healing items in these ammo boxes. There's a whole bunch of mixing items in those boxes. So that's, you know, again, first half of the game for me, I really avoided those boxes because I was like, well, I finally have three plugs. I don't want to waste them. Now I'm going to need them for the inevitable end fight where I fight 10 million dinosaurs. So I didn't use them. And then I kind of got to a point where I was either it's either like either I'm going to open these and get some health items or I'm done playing this game now because I cannot get through this next room. I have no health items. I have nothing else. All I have is like five plugs and there's two health boxes here. I've got to figure out, you know, what how to get uh, how to get through there. So I just started using them. And the good news is once you've opened a, a box, you can open it a million times. You don't have to pay every time. Mm-hmm. And you can use that to store the items you don't want to, you know, you, if you're, you're you have six enhancing items you can use to mix with potions to make them better or health items to make them better then you can just throw them in the box and you'll know where they are and and there's at least one or two of these boxes that are really close to safe rooms so you yeah. have places you can definitely put some items to stock that make it easy but again it it's it's not too bad it's not it's not oh i can only hold four items and I, you know that means i can hold one healing item and one bullet you, you pretty much are okay but there's definitely times where especially bullets really as I went through the game, and, and realistically, a lot of those earlier bullets and weapons are grow very useless as you find stronger dinosaurs. But there were parts where I was like, I have you know three sets of bullets. That's taking up one-fourth of my inventory, and I just had to dump them all in a box so that I could get more shotgun shells. I mean, that's the timeless Resident Evil thing to do, mm-hmm. really. I mean, having mm-hmm. to uh, constantly manage your inventory and the stuff that you can, you can take and what you've got to run back across the map to put in your, your container... Um, yeah, that's that's just something that that comes along with Resident Evil. But I will say that it does, like you said, it, it does do a good job of putting these things around the map fairly regularly. It's not like in Resident Evil One or, or even Two, where you literally have to run back across the entire map to put like two things in, so you can then run back across the map again to pick up the thing that you couldn't. Like I've been playing that uh, Resident Evil Two remake. And for as much as they changed in that, they definitely kept that that whole inventory thing um, pretty close to what it was back in the day. 
So there are definitely times where I couldn't pick up an item because I just didn't have the space. And mm-hmm. I got to trek back across that police station mm-hmm. to, to put those items in there so I can come all the way back. And I totally found myself doing that in, in this game as well. Now, in Resident Evil, if and I may have mixed this up with Metal Gear Solid since I did play that more recently, but in Resident Evil, if you had like a, the item boxes, weren't they universal? Like if you put something in the item box in spot A, you could grab it in spot B? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was all universal. This game doesn't do that. So in this game, if you throw stuff in the green box by the first safe room and you need that item later on, you have to go back to that box. But that means you do have, you know, each of those boxes can also hold 12 items. So you've got 30 boxes or whatever in this game that can hold 12 items each, but they aren't, it's not a universal box system, which They is, found a new way to fuck you up in this one. <laughs> well, most of the time I found, again, I was dumping off things that I didn't need, or, or once I realized how good mix was, I would go back to those boxes I may not have used earlier much and get all the mix items and make, turn all my weak health potions into strong health potions, because what's the point of saving weak health potions? They don't, they don't do much. They help you not die, but it's, you know, you get just scraped again, and all of a sudden you're back to, you know, limping around, bleeding everywhere. Uh, so I normally just turned all my potions into the strongest health potions I could that stopped your bleeding and fully filled your life. Because I didn't see any other reason to save them. I guess I could have probably made better and better uh, poisons. But at that point in the game, I, I didn't need as many because I had stockpiled the ones I did find. Yeah. This game, much like Resident Evil, is not just fighting things. In fact, if you play it that way, you're not going to get by it. Other than just evading dinosaurs and and trying to figure out what's going on with the story, this game has a bunch of puzzles. And they kind of fall into several categories, but the ones that you see first and are are the ones you'll visit the most are the password systems for the doors. Uh, In order to get to... You know, the, the, the first laboratory area, for example, you have to get two keys that have the same letter number on them. There's like a key card D and a DDK key card D. And if you have both of those in your inventory and you go to the door, it then gives you like a jumble of letters and a, like a code at the bottom that at first is whatever these letters are at the bottom, you take out of the letters up top and it'll, it'll spell the password you need to get through. Now, most of the time, and again, I get that it's a video game. But it's very obvious. The code key to get to the laboratory is, in fact, the word laboratory. <laughs> uh, but, but again, if, if you don't have both of those keys, you're not going to get into them, into mm. those rooms. In fact, one of the later ones uh, to get into Dr. Kirk's laboratory is, in fact, Dr. Kirk. So it's not like these are incredibly difficult passwords, but in order to find, you know, to get those keys, that may be a little more involved. And the rules to the key cards change throughout the game. So at first it is, hey, whatever letters at the bottom... You know, take it out of the letters at the top, and there's your password. And then it becomes, oh, hey, we're going to give you a series of numbers at the bottom. And it says, oh, these are the rows you can skip at the top. But they mean the word columns. The word rows and columns are not are not equal words. They have different meanings. Uh, but but I figured out pretty quickly after staring at it for a minute, they must have meant columns. So if it if you have a bunch of, of letters jumbled up, it doesn't seem to make any sense. And then all of a sudden it's like, get rid of column 2, 6, and 8. Then all of a sudden it's left with Dr. Kirk. You're like, oh, I got it. I'll figure this out. So that... 
I liked those those puzzles. I don't think they were incredibly difficult. I don't know if those were ones you didn't care for, Billy. Um, I'm pretty uh, sure some uh, of the other ones may have been uh, a little more irritating. The pipes puzzles where you have to rotate mm. rotate screens around to make sure the pipes match. Yeah, I just I just I didn't. I don't mind puzzles. I I, I don't at all. Uh, these puzzles just did. I thought they were kind of. They all air uh, just a bit grating and a little bit on the boring side. I think. Um, you know, like the original. Original Resident Evil, I didn't mind. You know, the puzzles where you, uh, you know, are finding like jewels for statues or, or, you know, arranging these or paintings in order or playing something on the piano, things like that. It seemed like every puzzle in in Resident Evil and, and subsequent games, Resident Evil games, they varied a little bit. They kind of they kind of did their own thing. These puzzles are just kind of kind of cut and dry. But I think I think. That has to do more with the setting. I mean, it works in this setting, this you know, this lab setting. Yeah, that's fine. I think uh, that's another problem. I believe I had was just the setting of this game. To to you know to let's veer away from the puzzles just for a second. I, I it's a very drab game, and I loved Resident Evil. The setting of that you know the old mansion, all these hidden rooms, these these weird rooms in it, and. Uh, this it's just kind of a lab and it's just it's boring like that and and the puzzles kind of just followed suit uh they're perfectly fine for the game of course i can see a place like this there would be key cards and there would be passwords and all that i just uh these these puzzles just really didn't have anything anything memorable to them and and, and that's it really and there's just too much of it yeah i i kind of echo what what billy said uh, this really brought me back to some of the the tedium that a lot of the the puzzles from those Resident Evil games kind of had with them. Mm-hmm. And you know, even though I love Resident Evil games, uh, you know, those first three games, uh, sometimes those puzzles just kind of got tedious. You know, as much as I loved them, uh, but this one definitely kind of s- steps up. Uh, there, there's a lot of these puzzles, and a lot of them are just the same ones repeated over and over. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think the pipe one is repeated over, but man, that pipe one just about broke me. <laughs> it just about broke me because it, if anyone has played this, I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about. It is three sets of pipes on each side of the wall and six different control panels on the ground. And each one of those control panels has three different colors. Uh, so you press the color and a pipe comes down on the wall where that's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And, so that doesn't sound too bad, but you're you're basically doing this trial and error unless I just missed a clue somewhere. And to and if you don't if you get it wrong, it doesn't just bring it back up or you know it doesn't make it easy on you. You have to do all of this, and then if you get it wrong, you got to go back to each console. You got to press the button. It's got to lift that pipe out of the thing out of the way with its own little cutscene. You got to go to the other console lift that one up it's got to play its own cut it's just it takes forever and that was the thing that i i it didn't break me but i got to that and i was like i gotta look this up because i can't i can't do this anymore this Uh, one this one put me to bed one night this (laughs) (laughs) and and that's the ultimate frustration because it wasn't even that late but yeah this one put me to bed this is one of those all right i'm going to bed I'll come back at it with a fresh mind the next day. I did have to look this one up. 
because uh, it's this was not something that lends itself to, hey, I'll just you know I'll just trial trial and error this and and go. It is so time consuming, and uh, yeah, I, I looked this one up. I try not to, and, and most of the puzzles on here you don't have to clearly. Um, oh, it was a poor decision <laughs> to have that cut that little just that little cut scene every time you do that. That's it was it was really so I do want to mention uh, the setting real quick. Uh, but like you said, uh, I think that was actually my biggest complaint with the game. I, I know I just sound like I'm shitting on this game, but I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, but the thing that I did not like, I just could not get past was was the whole setting. And it may it's probably probably because this game is completely polygonal. You know, it isn't using the 3D rendered backgrounds that all the Resident Evil games uh, did for like one, two and three. Mm. So everything is in 3D this time, you know, all the backgrounds, all the setting. And it, it you can tell it's kind of what they were, were working towards with like Code Veronica later on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of times where everything's moving with you instead of these static screens that you have to go one camera angle to another camera angle. Uh, it's kind of got emotion, you know, the, the camera can follow you in certain times. But I guess to to be able to do that, this is a very sparse setting. Uh, there is just, I mean, it's definitely it's better than what I remember it the pictures being. Like it, it's you got some fairly detailed environments, but there, but compared to like the the mansion setting and the and the police station of mm-hmm. Resident Evil, these are very very plain, sparse, minimalistic settings. Um, that I just kind of got bored running through at some point because, like you said, it's just very much just a very plain office, you know, kind of industrial office setting. Uh-huh. Everything, everything is silver. That is the one thing that comes out of my silver uh, and brown yeah. is, is this game to me when I when I think of it in my head. Um, just a lot of those those same kind of textures and, and settings used over and over to make different rooms. Uh, but that that was really my biggest complaint with the game. And and yeah, you're right. When you add it, when you combine it with those puzzles and having to do a lot of those puzzles over and over again, like the, the fuse box puzzles, which is easy oh. as hell, but it's just it just kept popping up over and over. It's like, oh, this again. Okay. I got I, I found this key card. Now I got this other key card. I gotta remember what room in was. Or, mm-hmm. you know, where where I, they all look the same. So now I gotta figure out where that was. Uh, so if, I, if if you're playing this for the first time, I would totally recommend making notes <laughs> of where mm, things are mm-hmm. because a lot of the game kind of looks the same. Well, it does have a fairly good mapping system, uh, which is nice. It, in your when you pause the game, you can look at the map screen, let you go up and down levels. You can find pictures of the floors in certain rooms, so you can it'll map it out for you as well. Kind of show you what rooms you've been in, what room you're in now. Uh, it'll it'll have like a flashing room or a flashing door a lot of the time to say ultimately where you're going. Now it's not necessarily a hey head to that door because if you need to find a key that's three doors three floors down and get back, that's ultimately the door you're going to. But it may not help you find the keys you need. But still, it was nice to have that. Uh, I, I didn't get lost too often. Uh, there's only a couple times where I may have just been unable to figure out exactly where I was and what I was supposed to be doing. Part of that, too, is that the game does give you some instruction via uh, some voice acting. And I specifically, if I'm, if I'm playing this game late, I, I'm not paying attention to what any of these guys are saying necessarily. So if they're like, oh, make sure you go to the third floor and look in that room. And I don't pay attention to that. So then all of a sudden the uh-huh. thing ends, I'm like, where the hell was I supposed to go again? Uh, <laughs> so I have to kind of go back and look. But uh, what I what I thought was really cool in this is there are four different sections of the game 
where you kind of get to make a choice on how you want to proceed. Um, mm, mm-hmm. the, the, the other people in your group that make it uh, towards the end of the game, at least, you know, Cooper's lost before the game starts, but you do have Gale and Rich. Now, Gale is kind of the gun-toting super super soldier whose his answer to everything is to get to you know, kind of just take it head on and fight your way through it and get to it where rich is the computer guy he's a little more reasonable he seems to be uh, more involved with you know if, if your choices are uh who cares i just gonna blow this thing up or maybe i should go help a friend then then rick's gonna tell you to help a friend and gail let you you just go run and gun i guess as much as you want to in this game i went rick every choice i could not because i was trying to but i thought it made more sense uh, in some turns. And also, uh, towards the end of the game, the Rick options are uh, essentially, hey, do you like fighting this game or do you like puzzles in this game? And for me, mm-hmm. I like puzzles every time. So I went Rick. Did either of you guys go Gale for any of these choices? No, I went Rick because, I mean, the the if it's the puzzles over the combat, uh, I went with the, the lesser of two evils for me. I went with uh, Rick as well. I mean, that's... It, it, Gail's such a dick. He I mean, is. he's just, he is totally just that 80s kind of just asshole marine or something that you just hate. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't make it to the end, so I don't know if he redeems himself or something like that. Uh, but even at the at the, the very start of the game, you know, he's wanting to to leave the other guy that got, got killed. But you guys don't know that. He's just like, we got to go. We, you know, stick to the mission. We got to do this. To where Rick is, is the more... You know, he 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 wants to help people. You know, he wants to make sure people survive, and he's not all about the mission. Uh, so yes, I, I went with Rick all the time. And but did that does that actually change the story at all towards the end? It well, it, the last choice is will tell you which of the three endings you get. Basically, um, I did finish this, so uh, the, the there are four choices where this you get to go basically go Gale or go Rich, and mm-hmm. uh, or Rick. The third choice. The first two are obvious. If you're not a complete dick, you're going to go with Rick because it's to save somebody or to, you know, find a smarter way to get to point B as opposed to just run through dinosaurs because uh, so far that has not worked well for me. Um, but the third time you have this choice is is interesting. You basically have to decide, are you going to find a way to rebuild parts that are like scientific pieces of this super machine that Dr. Kirk has been building? Or are you going to, you know, you know there are spare parts in the third in the third basement, and you know exactly where they are. But you also know you've got to basically fight your way to this room, get these two replacement parts, and then take them back to the the lab. Or you mm. can wander through different parts of the lab that you really haven't been, and and you have to figure out how to rebuild these parts, even though you're not a scientist and you're going based on a bunch of notepads you find on on what to do. Now it turns out, unsurprisingly, that actual putting them together is not hard, and if you fail to put them together, it's not like the the world explodes and you have to start over again. But did you did you guys get far enough to get to that choice where you get to decide whether or not to make the pieces or to to go find them? Uh, I didn't, but I think that's really neat. I, I think that's an awesome thing that that, that I, I wish there was kind of more of in this. Game. I mean, it's really it really seemed early on in the game the the two that I got to do uh, was very like you said cut or dry. Yeah, but like that's a, a really interesting choice to to mm. have to make. Well, and you could go back. So if you decide to go Rick, which I did, and you try to build the pieces, there's a puzzle in this game that unfortunately neither of you guys played that I. Ran, I didn't randomly figure it out, but I got real close to where I was about to give up and go back and say, you know what, forget it. I will just decide to shoot a bunch of dinosaurs because I obviously am too stupid for this puzzle. You you get to a room 
where you're supposed to get these special parts out of a locked cab, you know, a locked cabinet. And the only way to unlock it is there's a series of numbers with lines in between them. And they're not in order, but as you hit certain numbers, you see you hear different tones. And you can only use five of the numbers out of the eight, and you can't repeat the numbers. You can only follow the paths that draw between the numbers. This I'm explaining this very, very poorly. But essentially, mm. as you're walking through these numbers and pushing them around, until you've gotten all six numbers you need to put in, it doesn't say if you're right or wrong. All you hear are these different tones. And it doesn't explain anything about this puzzle at all when you get to it. You're like, okay, well, uh, this is a higher tone, this is a lower tone, so maybe I'm only supposed to get higher tones. But it turns out, one, that's not the answer, but two, there isn't a way to get six higher tones. So I fooled around with that for 15 minutes trying to get all high tones, and none of that worked. And it, to the point where I was like drawing it out in a piece of paper, because I was like, if I go here, and then here, and then here, then I can don't overgo these paths again. There's uh, something I discovered fairly early on, but unfortunately not early enough. There's a lot of things in this game where you can push a box or a shelf or you know things you can push them along the wall and then after they move far enough it will either like spring an item up which most of the time is more useful for me or there are a few parts where you push it and you will get to like a panel that you have to push to like turn off an alarm or something you know what i mean and i didn't realize a lot of those you could push because if you don't stand next to them and push exactly at the right angle you just run around it so i'm in this room with these this this silly beeping puzzle I can't figure out, and I'm getting ready to just get, call it a day. And there's against one of the far walls, like it just looks like it's a a bump in the wall, like it's just a wall that's built. Maybe it's a vent. Who knows what it is? But I walked up to it and I accidentally started pushing it. You push it out of the way, and there's like a voice recorder that you can hear Doctor Kirk explaining to someone else what he's going to do. And in the background, you hear six tones, and you're supposed to go back and figure out how to match those six tones to the puzzle. Like, that was a super cool puzzle, and I really mm -hmm. liked it, but it's at a point where, you know, if you didn't choose to go Rick, you'd never find that puzzle. And even if you yeah. did get there and you didn't, you know, take the extra time to really just uh, almost give up and just slam yourself against the wall, you may have decided, forget it. I'm going to go back and do do the Gale quest and go get the two extra pieces from the storage room or whatever. I mean, it, it's a, it was a cool section. Uh, I really like that. But the, the one that determines the ending of the game, basically... Uh, you know, Doctor Kirk escapes. He, you, you do find him at one point. Gale's holding him hostage. Uh, you, you, you rebuild this machine and essentially just to set up the island to self-destruct and get yourself out of there. And when mm -hmm. that happens, a pipe falls on Gale, and Doctor Kirk grabs a gun and runs out of the room. So when you get there, you get there to save Gale. Rick shows up as well. So Rick's like, just fuck it. We'll just get Gale. We'll get out of here. Let Kirk die in this. You know, this island's going to explode in, in 10 minutes. He's not getting out. There's only one way off this mm -hmm. island. We have it locked. Where He's not going anywhere. We'll just leave. And if he finds us at the you know, at the hovercraft, we'll take him with us. Whatever. Where Gail said, no, our mission is to get Kirk. You've got to go get Kirk. You know, I'm going to go get him now as he like tries to limp up and, and crawl out of there. So if you go the Rick route, you basically punch Gail in the stomach so that he falls to the ground and you carry him to the hovercraft. And, uh, and, and then you have to, of course... In Resident Evil fashion, there's like one more giant fight you have to do at the end. So no matter, regardless of what ending you, you pick, you're going to fight the T-Rex for the final time. But if you pick the Gale route, it does change the ending. You basically go find Kirk. Uh, Gale tells you the real mission, which isn't really get Kirk at all, but all the scientific data that Kirk is holding. And, you know, then he kind of sacrifices himself for the mission so you can get Kirk out. Uh, there's a third ending where you basically pick that ending... And then find a way to knock Gale out so that he won't kill himself. Rick will take him back to the hovercraft and you get uh, Dr. Kirk back to the hovercraft. They all end up with the same 
end sequence where you fight a Tyrannosaurus Rex while you try to jump onto a hovercraft. Uh, the Tyrannosaurus Rex in this game, there's not many types of dinosaurs. There's actually only five types of dinosaurs you run into. So the, the Velociraptors are everywhere, and they're the most common at the beginning. The T-Rex shows up at different story points, and, and in all of them you just kind of have to fend him off long enough to escape, uh, but there's no way to kill him until the very end. There's the pterodons that we talked about that are a nuisance, but only in a handful of areas. There are these tiny, I thought they were tiny velociraptor babies, but apparently they're not. They're tiny dinosaurs that kind of swarm around things. They're only in a couple sections, too, and they're more of a nuisance than anything else. But if you do let them stand there, they will whittle you away and you will die. And then, I didn't even know these were different than raptors. I just thought they were bigger raptors with claws. But apparently these are called thorazinosauruses. I don't even think that's a real dinosaur. But oh. they look like slightly bigger raptors with giant claws and they will shred you they hit you in two hits that you're dead they're fast there's actually one hallway where there's two of them and it's misery and i kept dying there over and over again uh so the the t-rex though who will show up I, I think he shows up four times total including the end you know up until that last fight your only thing you can do is is kind of keep shooting him long enough to have someone come save you or for him to walk away long enough for you to run out the door or whatever you need to do because he's not, you can't kill him until the, the very, very end of the game. So that, that's a very standard Resident Evil kind of thing where there's a thing that chases you or a thing that shows up and over again. And finally, the end, you know, you get the rocket launcher. You get the grenade launcher in this case. And then someone on the hovercraft has a rocket launcher and he shoots it at him. You know, that's that's pretty solid ending. But yeah, I, I really liked that there were these paths. That was the point I was making to begin with. The paths that let you change how you go through the story. Sure, it doesn't ultimately change until the very end where you end up. But it means you could, like, I don't know what the first three gale options really were i know what they're what they consist of but i didn't do them i was going to play it again and do gale the whole way through uh but i did find in my second playthrough i started earlier today that this game is way more tedious on your second playthrough because even though you know where to go and you you kind of know where the shortcuts are there's a lot of things that uh, when you find the later rooms there'll be doors you can open that now there's a hallway you couldn't get to before that now connects like an early room to this room saves you some time to run around but there's still it, it's still such a small amount of ammo that there were still a lot of parts where i just had to kind of trial and error get lucky with a, a run through a hallway try to to make sure i saved often because i was going to get trapped uh and, mm -hmm. and that isn't the best balance i do i do have to say as much as i i didn't mind that as much as you did i i did not on a second playthrough have the patience to fool with it again i i, I just think like the the whole different paths thing it, it seems like such a natural fit for that style of game uh, that it never really found its way into any of the Resident Evil games. I, you know, I know that came after Resident Evil 2, but mm -hmm. I mean, nothing like that showed up in Resident Evil 3, uh, or really any of the other Resident Evils as far as much as I've played. Uh, you know, you definitely had like the, you could always play like a second quest or something like that, but generally all that stayed the same. So having like these different paths, that that's an awesome thing that they kind of threw in there. And then, to actually change the ending, uh, you know, depending on what you do, I, mm -hmm. that's kind of awesome. It, you know, I, I kind of wonder if they actually kept that in with Down of Crisis 2. Well, I don't think they did. Now, I have not played Down of Crisis 2 um, because it's a totally different kind of game. Down of Crisis 2 is much more heavily combat oriented. Uh, you don't, there are puzzles, but it's more of a, you know, how do you get to the right place at the right time as opposed mm -hmm. to these literal puzzles lay you know laying over pipes or any of that other stuff that's not really in dino crisis 2 also you have a lot more ammo like i watched a let's play of it and you start the game with 100 bullets and a gun that kills things in like two shots and you're mm. running through screens of endlessly 
um, spawning raptors while you try to get from point A to point B. When you get to the end, it gives you a, an arcade score on how well you did based on how many combos you got. Like, it's a totally different game. I mean, it's still, you know, you're some kind of military group fighting dinosaurs and trying to fix this uh, the, this time hole that's been created. That's how, what caused these dinosaurs, uh, was that the, the ultimate energy source also kind of rips open holes in dimensions or something. It, the, the story is is fine but it's not gonna get any awards but it's a fine it's fine story but so the Mm -hmm. two is kind of cleaning up more of that same (laughs) same mess on another when the government tried to redo this uh, this third energy thing that that kirk was doing and and of course they ripped a hole in time and space and now you're going there to to save all these people but it's much more run and gun style and then there was a third sequel that i'd never played on xbox i think it's an original xbox exclusive and (laughs) it's in space and you're fighting space dinosaurs (laughs) and i saw there was a jetpack and it looked completely nothing at all like this game yeah wow (laughs) i mean i guess that's the next obvious place to go Uh, i i gotta put out one more gripe I'm sorry. Let's throw it on the pile. These danger events or danger scenes that 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 pop up intermittently. Do, do they tell you what button to hit, or is it just no, a, a it's known mash thing to, all your buttons and all buttons. spin your controller around like a crazy person? Uh, do whatever you can. I, and I think there's a couple that actually are. I don't want to say they're quick time events because again, the the only skill you need mm-hmm. is to bash on buttons to make sure you're not just sitting there, I guess, staring at the screen while you die. But a lot of the time, it's if you get jumped on by a, a raptor or one of the other dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. If you didn't get jumped on, that event wouldn't happen, and it's just kind of you getting off the floor. But I think there are a couple of them specifically with T Rex and maybe like the first time you run into some of these monsters where you have to do that event. Yeah. Uh, there's one like out of an elevator. Uh, when you get get down on onto the, the laboratory floor for the first time, where you, as soon as you get to the elevator, like a raptor's at the top of your elevator, rips the top off and jumps on you, and you have to go through that. Yeah, they, they're they're pretty lame. I mean, they're not quick time events, uh, which I think this might be worse because it's it's literally just making sure you're paying attention enough to hit buttons. It's not yeah. it's not fun. And I and I I think they're trying hard to uh, to get a jump out of you. I think. I mean, they're trying, and this is after you know Resident Evil and the fucking the dog through the window. I mean, it's hard after that. And, and you could try with, you can tell with some of these that they're, they're trying to get a little jump out of you like T-Rex busting through the window, but they fucking ruin it because it goes to letterbox like a good couple seconds before one of these things happen. So when you see that, when you see that screen shrink down, you know, it's coming and, and it, it just, it comes off really lame when those occur. And I mean, that was just one more thing for me at that point. Um, sure sounds like I didn't like this game, um, but but, but I, I don't regret having played it, and it did have some good parts to it. I, I thought the voice acting was improved. Uh, the actors, I think, I think one of you stated earlier, the acting was good. It was better, but uh, still, they can only do so much with the script they're given. Um, I, I just, I think I would have liked this a little bit more. It all falls. On two things, the the controls, and I just don't think they translate that well over this game, a game with with slightly you know quicker enemies and and all that, and just the setting. I I don't know what else you can do with a, a laboratory, um, as far as sprucing it up and and making it kind of as varied um, as that mansion in Resident Evil. Uh, I think all the Resident Evil games have done a, a much better job of kind of having a more exciting setting and kind of, uh, even though it was a mansion, like the rooms didn't 
their own thing. Uh, even Resident Evil 2 in the police station. Uh, that is varied quite a bit, too. Uh, they figured out a way to do that with the police station. Um, but this one is just, it's, I don't know. I think it's just a, a little, for a game that's Resident Evil versus dinosaurs, pretty much, it, it just comes off as kind of slow to me and and just just kind of bland. And I, I guess that's the, my main problem with it. Um, it's the control scheme and just it's eh, it, it's one of those games that it's there and apparently a lot of people love this game i this is like on people's top five survival horror list i mean this is a this is a big game for folks um in fact as as i'm talking i figure we should probably keep this one off youtube um people on there get really fired up about this stuff we'll just leave it for our, our podcast listening faithful um but yeah i mean I, I don't see the appeal maybe if you played it in the past and and you're coming back to it kind of like me with resident evil there are people that you know have similar complaints about resident evil in terms of pacing and controls and and i let that one slide because i have a lot of fond memories of it and but i do think it does a couple things better um i come in i have no nostalgia for this game whatsoever and this is a hard one to pick up and play with the setting and just the repetitive nature of the puzzles. Oh, there just wasn't much here for me. I can see why people would like it. Uh, I can see why it would get that following that it has, but I am not going to be jumping on board. I, I really liked it. I don't know. I, I maybe it's cause I haven't played that many resident evil style games uh, mm. directly before, uh, until this podcast. Yeah. To be fair, if I would have picked this up on my own, not for the purpose of reviewing for a podcast, I don't mm -hmm. know if I would have played it long enough to like it. I would have probably gotten through yeah. the first few rooms and been like, yep, this is like resident evil with dinosaurs. The end. But I, I I'm glad I kept playing. I did enjoy the things this game did that were interesting. I like the paths you can pick, uh, you know, mm -hmm. who you want to go to. I, I didn't mind that most of the game was avoiding. I didn't mind most of the puzzles. That, that pipes puzzle was probably the worst of them. But, like, there were, there were a set of puzzles where um, you have to make a picture and you have three pictures at the top that kind of overlay on each other to make this series of, it, it almost looks like a, a pipe dreams. And you have to kind of lay them in the right way and make sure they're in the right angle and laid on top in the right order to make the picture. Like, they, they were, it, it's nonsense that you're doing it, but I thought those were cool puzzles. There, there was a lot of, of interesting uh, puzzles that were a little different from the the just the standard key cards or, you know, mm -hmm. find a statue and put a gem in the eye of it. And I actually like the setting. I like a lot that it's a lab. The entire map from start to finish, I mean, sure, it, it's ridiculous because no one would really ever build that base, but it still made sense to me how it was laid out. Like, I liked Resident Evil when we played it, but there's parts of that where, you know, uh, all of a sudden you're, you know, you go from this old mansion into a secret lab underneath, and then you go to what's like this old greenhouse, and then you go to, mm -hmm. and like, a lot of the stuff didn't make any sense with, to realistically why this would have existed, even if it is a secret lab. Like, that's a different whole level of crazy secret lab. This at least, like, you're going to a weird military facility where they're trying to play with energy. It's going to look yeah. boring and flat and silver and brown, and, and I was okay yeah. with all of that. I, I liked that. Um, but again, maybe it's just that I didn't play a lot of these before, but I thought this one was done really well. Uh, I'm kind of disappointed that Dino Crisis 2 looks nothing like this as far as how it plays, because uh, the, the part of this game I did not like was firing at dinosaurs. I did not enjoy that at all. I didn't think it was very fun. Uh, even when I had to do it for the story, for the T-Rex parts, it was just, it was more of a timing event. It wasn't even 
strategy or action of moving around and fight. It's just a timing event. It, it kind of flashed when, you know, gave you like a warning when you had to fire and the dinosaur would back up and you have, it happens four times and all of a sudden someone comes and opens the door. Like it, the action in this game was not what I enjoyed. I like the puzzles. I like the setting. Uh, and, and I even liked as much as the, the story is sci-fi garbage. It was actually, I was interested in where it was going the whole time. So mm-hmm. uh, there's not a lot of games where I can say by the end, I was like, yeah, that story was actually all right. Like this was a, an okay garbage sci-fi story, but in, in a totally good campy way. I thought Regina was a good character too. Yes. Oh yeah. Yes, she is. But I mean, that's a, that's a good character. Uh, I, I wish there were like, like you guys said, I wish they kind of made Dino Crisis 2 a better version of this game. You know, mm-hmm. it would be neat to really have a spin-off Resident Evil, not a spin-off, but you know, something that isn't Resident Evil that they could try different things with. And it really seems like they tried a lot of different things with even like the puzzles, the environments, a lot of things that they, you know, they didn't want to maybe try with the mainline Resident Evil series that they really experimented with in Dino Crisis. Mm-hmm. And uh, if they went kind of the action route with it, I I understand but at the same time, it would have been awesome if they, if we could have just had a separate game from Resident Evil that was maybe a little bit more experimental and, and trying other things that, that Capcom was maybe a little bit too afraid to, to toss into Resident Evil. So Dino Crisis, our overall thoughts. If you really like Resident Evil, there's no reason not to try it. May not be your thing. It may not have aged as well. Uh, although I will say, for someone who had not played it before, I do think uh, it was quite enjoyable and uh, and worth playing. But our next episode, uh, we're going to take a look at one of the sequels to one of the best games of all time. Highly divisive, even on this podcast, whether or not it will be worth talking about. So look forward to that. But I believe we have a handful of our listener emails. We we actually do. And, and you know what, guys? I, I know we really hype up our contact form on retrovania.net but there mm. are actually several ways to contact us um and not least of which is our facebook group at uh, retrovania.net um oh wait hold on what the hell is our retro <laughs> it's retrovania.net on facebook okay okay good yep. then you can edit that out everything mm-hmm. is retrovania.net except for our okay. twitter which is at retrovaniacs because i did that yes that's that's fine um but yeah, if you're if you are part of our uh, if you joined uh, Retrovania on Facebook, feel free to send us a message on there as well. Uh, it's not as cool as going on Retrovania.net and uh, actually using our contact form, but uh, we will totally get your messages as well. And actually, a good majority of the uh, messages that we got are from uh, the the Facebook group. So um, first up is Chris Kellogg, and uh, hey, just wanted to shout out and tell you how much I love the show. Also, I love the opening song, 8-Bitter. I've shared it with all of my gamer friends, and they all agree it's awesome. Keep up the good work, guys. I have to say, I'm very happy about that message. Uh, I'm glad people like the song 8-Bitter by the band Subtastics, uh, which is, in fact, a band that I'm in. But also, I did not write that, so I'm very glad that someone wrote it who is not a member of the band. Uh, but yeah, you can you can download that song, I mean, for like almost nothing on Bandcamp, uh, or you could buy our full album, which is on snubbed records. But enough of that. Thank you for the comment. Mm-hmm. That's a great song. Uh, next question comes in, or a statement, whatever, comes in from Buddy Smith, 
And what's up, guys? I love the show, and I've listened to about every episode. Anyway, I'm 36, so obviously I grew up with classic gaming and especially love the NES and Super NES and anything to do with Mario. I once owned over 350-plus NES and 100-plus Super NES games, but ended up selling them around 10 years ago, now that most classic gaming is done on an emulator or digital downloads. My favorite games in no particular order are Maniac Mansion, Bart vs. the Space Mutants, (laughs) I mean, we'll we'll get to that one eventually. An alpha mission. (laughs) Uh, Bionic Commando, Earthbound, and Link to the Past, just to name a few. One of these things is not like the other. (laughs) You know, I, I actually have a weird... Uh, it's just a fondness for for Bart versus the Space Mutants. I, I don't know why. It's totally mis- nostalgia. Uh, anyway, uh, recently me and a longtime friend, gaming friend locked in on Ninja Gaiden 3, and with the help of save states, we finally conquered it after 30 years. Oh. I, I also play in a band called Rogues and Bandits, shameless self-promotion, and overall just wanted to give you guys an idea of who's listening. I'd also like to recommend Adam's Family for the Super NES if you ever get the chance. Thanks for doing the show. I have to look up and see which Adams Family game that is. I had Fester's yeah. Quest on the Nintendo. Obviously, that's not it. And I had an Adams Family movie-based game for the TurboGrafx CD. That might be the same game, but maybe not. Uh, I will say that all the Adams Family games I've played, which is those two, are, are not great. But I'm willing to try another one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, it's not Pugsley's Adventure. And, but I'm yeah I, I I don't really remember the actual Adams Family game for the Super NES that that wasn't Pugsley's Adventure but I know there was one uh, but yes definitely thank you for writing in uh, mm-hmm. I mean even if you just if you if you guys just want to write in to tell us who's listening we love to hear from you oh, I yeah. mean it, it amazes us that people listen to this podcast so yes please uh, let us know who who is uh, listening to this show uh, even if you just want to give a shout out. Uh, to to what you're doing and your band, uh, definitely a shout out to uh, his band Rogues and Bandits. Uh, quite a good quite a good band. I actually listened to that on uh, uh, iTunes. I mean, it's it's uh, no subtastics, but they were good. no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's still quite good. Uh, next question comes in uh, or message comes in from Nate Ashville. Hey guys, great podcast on episode 67, the Road Rash episode. You guys said there's no motorcycle sounds. Well, this probably won't change how you feel about the game, but I wanted to tell you that if you turn the music off, then you actually get great (laughs) motorcycle sounds. I played the game this way all the time and loved it. When Road Rash 64 came out, my friend and I created a custom tag game mode on the eight track racetrack. It was so much fun. Knock the other person off their bike, and they're it. Anyway, would you guys be up for doing an episode on Zero Tolerance for the Sega Genesis? Thanks. Did you guys ever play Zero Tolerance? I have not. It is a Genesis 3D Doom clone that I had before I I, I had bought it, you know, obviously years and years ago, because I didn't know the Genesis could do that. That was before the 32X that had a a version of Doom that was slightly better. Um, It's, uh... It's... It's probably not aged incredibly well, but I'd be willing to, to give it a shot. It might be a better video review because I think you kind of have to see uh, what they were working with and what they pulled off. I, I think mm-hmm. if we just talk about it, it's going to sound like a bad 3D shooter. But keeping in mind it was on the Genesis, it's pretty impressive, uh, but also, as I recall, incredibly repetitive. I, I'm always up for doing weird games that that tried to do more than what the console was was actually capable of uh there's just something charming about those Mm -hmm. 
I also do want to say with Road Rash, not only if you turn the music off, does it sound like a motorcycle. I don't know if that's true or not, but I found when I turned the game off, I had more fun. <laughs> I, I, I still feel bad about that episode. I, I No, people love Road Rash. It got sequels. Other people stand by it. They love it. I just uh, did not have a good time. It was not... It was not enough of what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be Mad Max on motorcycles, and instead it was kind of racing where you kick people. Not really the same. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, yes, I, I guess. That's all I can say. Uh, next message comes up from Blaine J. Hey, guys, just dropping in to say you're all doing a bang-up job, and thanks for doing it. Originally, I found the show years ago by randomly searching for Mansion of Hidden Souls. Oh, here we go. Just to see if anyone had ever covered it. <laughs> We did. There we go. We did, in fact. Yes. We did. So, if nothing else, that episode at least netted you one listener. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. The game is terrible. Well, now. Anyhow, I have a suggestion for you guys. Either Blazing Dragons, preferably the Saturn version, or Silverload. The latter of which I covered myself years ago, but can never seem to fit Blazing Dragons into the schedule, and would love to hear an episode over it. Anyway, thanks again, and what that mouth do? Oh, God, Blake, you uh, don't know what the hell. Nothing good. <laughs> nothing good comes from that mouth. No. Uh, quick shout out. Uh, Blaine does the Retro RPG podcast. All right. uh, the Retro RPG show podcast. Um, we, we've uh, had several listeners kind of go back and forth there, not the least of which is Bjorn, beloved oh, listener yes. Bjorn, uh, yes. who not too long ago sent me a large box of Swedish candy and chocolates. Uh, so, you know. And he also graced us with Young Merlin. I was yeah, about to and, say where the where the chocolates an apology. The chocolate, yeah. There was an actual a, apology letter in in with the ch- <laughs> for young Merlin. You, you, yeah, you redeemed yourself with that. So one, I yes, mm-hmm. I looked up both Blazing Dragons and Silverload. Um, I remember both after looking at them. I don't think I could get through Silverload. Silverload is it looks like a graphic adventure that's you know one of those things where at the time it's like look what we can do with CDs and now it's just inexcusable how much it does not look like it's any fun blazing dragons though looks a lot more like a king's questy sort of thing uh Mm. and i i might be interested in that i would definitely like a more of a a a pc graphic adventure you know if we're not going to do maniac mansion this is probably close well i played blazing dragons on the playstation way back in the day and I, I i can totally give it my thumbs up i think it's it's really fun to to kind of revisit those those style of that style of game that was that was so rare back then especially on like a console well that definitely goes on our short list assuming i can find a copy yeah it is not easy cuz i don't think it's on psn or no, anything like no, that no it's not i'll have to i'll have to uh, acquire it somehow <laughs> all right and finally uh, our last question message comes in from Mark Holson. Hey guys, I'm new to both your YouTube channel and your podcast. I stumbled upon your YouTube channel, first of all, looking for retro game stuff, and I quickly fell in love with the content you guys are making. Ah, thank you, Mark. My question is, what is your favorite game you owned on your least favorite console? Also, what's the least favorite game you owned on your favorite console? 
As an example, I loved Soul Calibur on the Sega Dreamcast, but I don't even remember many of the Dreamcast games since I didn't like that system much. Mm. On the other hand, I hated Call of Duty on the Call of Duty 3 on the Wii. It was my first COD game I tried out on the Wii, which was my favorite overall console, and the motion controls were so unplayable I didn't even finish the first level. However, I later tried Call of Duty 4 and promptly bought an Xbox 360 because of how much I ended up loving it. And uh, Mark also goes on to recommend Boogerman. Mm. That's several Thus, recommendations. We, we, We've gotten several people are, have asked for Boogerman. Careen, we are careening ever so closer to Boogerman. I, I will say, uh, for Boogerman, maybe maybe keep an eye on the YouTube channel here, here in the next uh, week or so after this podcast launch, or hits, hits the airwaves. This question's real tough. I don't know what I'd say my least favorite console is. I mean, I... I was going to say the original Xbox was my least favorite console, but I still played a lot of games on it and liked it. I think the only console I've owned, because I had to have owned it. You know, I mean, I think the Jaguar was the worst console. I never owned one. But I had a Virtual Boy, and, oh. and I had a handful of games for it. I bought it when it was on Super Clearance. It was the one that we had, like our store demo that no one, we put it out one time, and everyone's like, my brain hurts, so we put it away. And, and I bought it for $25, and I got... Uh, was it Red Alert, which was like a shooter, and I mm-hmm. got Jack Brothers, which I don't know. It, I think it's characters that were later on in the Persona games. It looks like it's the Jack character from Persona. That actually was pretty neat. But the, uh, the just straight that Red Alert game, that that shooter, actually took advantage of the 3D and the, the goggles. It made sense because you were like flying into the screen. I thought it was super cool. Uh, and so that's one that I, I don't know how you'd get to do that again as well without a 3D system. I'm sure the 3DS probably has something similar I haven't found. But, uh, but yeah, that was my favorite game on a system I owned that would be the one I played the least. I actually only owned that system for a week, and then even even though I bought it for $25, I returned it because it hurt my head to play it. Yeah, oh. I didn't want to be that guy that was like, no, I'd say it hurt your head, but it really did. After playing it for more than 15 minutes, I would get a migraine, and I was done with it. So that's that's my least favorite system. Uh, I have to go with the NES for my favorite system. I know I've listed it before, but but man, Amagon is one of the worst games ever made, and I <laughs> cannot get back past how bad it is. Even now, trying to play it, I'm like, this game is just... It, it's not like it's a game that looks like they didn't know what they were doing, but it looks like it's a game made by people who didn't enjoy playing it, and it's not fun. Everything about it is not enjoyable. Mm. Well, I, I gotta go. Uh, my, my least favorite system... I... Hard to say my least favorite. It's the one I played the, the least. It was my Master System. Uh, but it had Rambo on there. And it was an awesome game. It was it was far removed from the NES version of Rambo. It was it was a top-down. It was kind of a kind of like an Akari Warriors type shooter. Uh, you could have two players on there. It was an excellent game on a system where I I didn't have many other games, and the ones I did have were uh, were a little rough. Uh, they were they were pretty dated, and if it was on the NES, chances were it was a better version. Um, as far as a favorite console, I I always drift back towards the the Super Nintendo. Uh, I I think that is just the the one that tugs at the most heartstrings for me. I have the most uh, fond memories attached to that just because the 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 time and a time in my life and the age i was at the time it came out but i had jim power the lost dimensions on that super nintendo did you really yes and i got it because of the 3d gimmick it came with a pair of 3d glasses and if if you put them on i found if you put them on and you cut all the lights out 
you got a very faint 3D effect. Or, or maybe I tried to convince myself that that it had a 3D effect. Um, but yeah, I, and awful game, god awful game, and a difficult game to boot. I, it, it was bad enough that it, it was just a shitty game, but it was a hard shitty game. So I I put very very little time into that. In fact, was uh was going through a couple boxes of some some older stuff a while back and and stumbled upon it. So I still still have it. For whatever reason, I guess for me, my un- unfortunately, my least favorite system would have to be the 3DO. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of like Jeremy. I-, I never really bought a console that I disliked, but out of everything, I, I think the 3DO was was the one that I-, I played the most games for. That I was just like, oh man, this shouldn't exist. But uh, it actually had by far the best quiz game show video game that has mm. ever been made. And it's called Twisted. And it is just this absolutely hilarious mixture of full motion video, uh, these various puzzles and and trivia games dressed up into this TV show. Basically, every game is kind of formatted to look like a TV show. And it's so amazingly good. And it was never. Remember that? Did this have like a, a face matching Yes. Thing. Yes. One I. Of the, one of the characters I, is a Pez dispenser. Oh, I had a friend. The only per, only person I know, probably aside you, that had a 3DO, and I did have the privilege of playing this game. And it is quite a game. It is something I, I'd love to play that fucker again. Oh God, it's it's the one thing that I want to keep. Like I, I keep my eye out for a 3DO here and there mm-hmm. to actually buy, just so I can play, find and play that one game mm-hmm. because it was so good, and and just tragically it was it was never ported to anything else. It was only on the 3DO. Uh, it, but man, if you guys ever get a chance to play Twisted, which that's never going to happen, but if you get a chance, play it. It is hilarious, especially mm-hmm. with friends. It is so good. Even the humor holds up to this day. Um, God for. Favorite uh, favorite system worst game, I mean Alpha Mission for the NES definitely. <laughs> um, I I can't really I can't really think of anything else like my I guess the Super NES would probably be my favorite system. Mm-hmm. Um, I was trying to think of like if there was anything that was just terrible that I played on that system. What was what was the Simpsons game on that one? Bart's Nightmare. That's it. That's that's it. Hate that game. Cannot stand it. I had that game. We played it a lot. It is not a great game. It is oh, not a great mm-hmm. game. I think I that one was probably the first Simpsons game I ever played. And I, I remember that one came out on the at my video store. And uh, I rented it because the back of the box looks pretty cool. But it is totally what I would come to find out. Just more of a, a, a continuation of the terrible NES Simpsons games. Uh, apologies to uh, to Buddy. I, I know you really like you some Bart's for, Bart versus the Space Mutants. Um, but that one on the uh, the Super NES, I know we've actually talked about covering that one on the podcast. Uh, but Fever yeah, that dreams. one. Fever <laughs> dreams. Uh, I, that one ruined a whole weekend for me, and, and that one actually kind of stands out quite a quite a bit for a system that I loved, and mm. for as many bad games as I played on that system. Uh, I was a huge Simpsons fan, and to have it ruined by by that one game, it still sticks with me. I have a runner-up for worst system 
uh, but it's War System Worst Game, uh, which is I had an Atari 7800 uh, for no good reason. We had a 2600. My dad tried to hook it up to a, a TV in a van, and it burned out the 2600. <laughs> so we replaced it with a 7800, and I only owned three true 7800 games. We played all my 2600 games, but the 7800 games I had were it came with Pole Position 2, and that was okay, and, it, and I had Xevious, which was fine. But we had, and, and I had never played the arcade version of this, but a game called Karatika, I think is how it's pronounced. It is, Was that the Prince of Persia type game? But it's a one-on-one fighting game yeah, that's yeah. played yeah, with an Atari controller with one button. It oh. is inexcusably bad. I never got to, I think the third fight, there's a bird, and it literally just flies and hits you in the face and it's over, and I could never <laughs> do anything about it. And it's one of those games where now, when I've listened to, there's like a 7800 game-by-game podcast, and they've considered that one of the worst games on their system as well. And they've played all the others, where I only played three true 7800 games. So can that's we, worst game, we, worst system. Can we talk more about this? <laughs> Atari hooked up to a TV in the van. Yeah, yeah, we had a we had a I forgot what kind of van an old an old van where they it had a little TV on the back on the in the like the console in the back you could watch, but it didn't have you know now they all come with DVD players and stuff where you can actually watch stuff on it. This it had just an antenna and it was really only for when the car is not in, in moving, so it ran off the battery, but it wouldn't run when the car was. Anyway, he tried to hook it up to the car battery and it just fried it instead. It just started smoking. Did not did not get uh, get to play the twenty six hundred in the car. Oh, my. Oh, shit. Oh. And my dad was not, uh, he was not incredibly handy, and he was definitely not an electrician. So I don't know what he was aiming for, but, but I guarantee it wasn't starting the car and having the system burst into flames. <laughs> Just melted it. Man, a van with a TV and a tar. You can't hide money. No, we were, we were living it up. Dang. We uh, and, and in fact, the better part is I think we did that like, just don't start the car. He must have done that in like 1988. Like it was well past the time you'd have that in your car. It was like I could have bought an NES or a Game Boy, but instead, no, we're gonna hook the 2600 with a van for a camping trip. <laughs> Just a disaster. Oh god. Oh. <laughs> We gotta end this episode. Well, we are. We're gonna end it now. Uh, we've talked about my twenty six hundred incident, uh, but don't forget to come back in two weeks when we cover a classic sequel to a classic game uh, that many people love and many other people hate. But until then, you can always check us out at Retrofania.net or at the links to our YouTube channel, our Facebook page, our Instagram, and we will see you next time.